Ask them if they're taking you to lunch today. That would sure be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, get your Bibles. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. We are going to continue a series that we've been doing now a number of weeks called Spiritual Terrorism. And it is about winning a battle against an unseen enemy. Uh, the Bible is very clear that there is a spiritual war taking place in a realm we can't see. Uh, sadly, you and I have been raised in a secular world a sat this, uh, that has sanitized a belief in the supernatural. Now, they believe in UFOs, but they don't believe in God. The world doesn't believe in, 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 certainly if there's no God, there's no devil. That's all a figment of your imagination. But the Bible tells us very clearly that not only does God exist, not only are there angels, but there is a, a real devil. He's called Satan. He's called Lucifer. Uh, many names in Scripture he's called a liar, a murderer, the accuser of the brethren, that he's real, that the demons are real, and there's a spiritual warfare going on. Well, I suggest to you most of the time we don't even realize we're in a spiritual battle. If I could jump back to the first message of the series, you remember I gave you 15 different Scriptures that connected Satan to things like being pulled back into the world. Uh, being pulled or pushed to do evil like Judas did, uh, disrupting the gospel as it goes out. Remember Paul said to a church, I wanted to come and see you, but Satan hindered me. Uh, we saw how Satan persecutes, kills believers. He divides relationships in churches and families. He destroys lives. The Bible says Satan came to what? Steal kill and to destroy. He can push us over the edge in our anger. These were all scriptures that I referenced to you. Uh, he's behind some sickness, perhaps not all sickness in a direct way, but some sicknesses were caused by Satan, violence, torment, suicide. We saw all this about him, but I suggest to you when we're facing these type of everyday issues, we don't realize we're in a battle. We just think that there's a natural solution. There's a pill to take, and I'm all for medicine. There's money to borrow, and I borrow money. There's just other secular ways that we do it rather than dealing with perhaps the root cause of it. And this is what I want to help you do today. Uh, it's a biblical formula. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So this is the source of our spiritual authority and strength. It's not in the fact that we would pray loud or, or shout, but it's, it's in the, the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then he says this, and this will be our text for the day. I'm going to read this whole scripture, and then we're going to come back to it. What you're going to see is you're going to see there are defensive uh, things that we're to wear called our armor. And then there's two offensive weapons we fight spiritual warfare with. One is the Word of God, the Bible, and number two is prayer. And I see this whole passage building towards to the apex of prayer, and it is equipping us to prayer because that's how the battles fall. We're fighting an enemy we can't see with weapons that have no gunpowder. Now, how many know if, you wanna, if you're going to go on a street fight and two people have knives, you understand your weapons? If, uh, you know, if uh, you're a concealed carry and somebody's broken in the store and they're going to shoot your, your spouse, well, you understand that kind of warfare. But spiritual warfare, we don't understand it because so much of it is unseen, the world in which we live. Um, notice what it says, verse 11 is our text. Put on all of God's armor so you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. See, again, it's not just someone that's possessed and demonically controlled, but all these different ways that Satan works that we talked about. Verse 12, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, people are not the problem. 
we're fighting, say this with me, against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. He goes on to say we're fighting against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. And because of that, he says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you may be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Uh, if you ever played football, I can, I, 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 uh, uh, I can remember that sometimes, well, for example, I was a punter, I was a, I, I was a kicker, and if I could have the least amount of pads on my right leg, uh, if I didn't have a knee pad on, uh, I could get my leg higher. If I didn't have that old thigh pad on, uh, it would be, I could really get my leg up high. And if I didn't have hip pads on, no, I had no restraint at all. But the only problem is if somebody tackled me or I had to tackle somebody, I had bruises black and blue because I didn't have my armor on. Well, this is what, this is what he's talking about. Put on every piece of God's armor so you can resist the enemy in time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. And now he's going to list some of these defensive types of armor. He says, uh, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. That's the first one. The body armor or the breastplate of righteousness. That's two. And then interestingly, our shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news. Call it gospel shoes. Uh, let's see. Uh, verse 16, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Number five, put on salvation as your helmet. And now we're going to get offensive. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then number two, pray. Everybody say pray. pray. But how are we to pray? We're to pray in the spirit. Pray under the, under the inspiration of the spirit, the direction of the spirit. Uh, pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, where'd we go there? Pray in the spirit on, at all times. And on every occasion, in other words, prayer is not just what I do on Friday morning prayer meeting or not just what I do over a meal, but as I engage my life, I'm in this, I'm in this repertoire of prayer. Uh, I might have driven to work 50, uh, you know, 2,000 times, but say a prayer before you go and say, Lord, would you watch over me as my drive today? Keep me from accidents. I may have been to work in the same place for 30 years. Lord, as I get out of my car, to, out of my truck to go to business today, I want to pray that God is with me, that God anoints me, that God protects me. This is a sense that prayer infiltrates everything that we do. Stay alert. Now, that's interesting. I'm going to show you how the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you in prayer. Prayer, not just a monologue, but a dialogue. Uh, and then lastly, he says, be persistent in our prayers, not just for ourselves, but for all believers everywhere. So let me do my best to make an abstract subject or, or, or idea uh, very practical. Because when you fight the devil, how many know you don't see him face to face? If, for example, maybe, uh, maybe you've got teenagers, you've raised them right, they love God, they've been in church. But, uh, but then at some point in their teenage career, uh, they run into this uh, person, and this person's super cool, drives a nice car, and uh, before you know it, they're giving your kid meth. And uh, it sets your kid on a course, a, a, a battle. You know, you spend money on rehab programs and they get right back in it. Well, how many know you're not just fighting the drug dealer. You're fighting the spirits that are behind this. And it's a warfare that we pray through until answers come. But this is going to be very practical to you, and, and I hope it'll help. I've called it dressed for battle. And the very central truth, I, I say a lot in 40 minutes, but you could congeal it down to one simple sentence, and it's this. I pray, uh, uh, we have spiritual armor 
to protect us. And we have the weapons of the Word of God and prayer to fight against evil. Let's explore it together. Um, dress for battle is what we're calling it, but I want to begin with that idea of verse 11. Verse 11, it said, put on all of God's armor so you can stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. How many want to stand firm against everything Satan's doing? Well, then the first thing the Bible tells us to do is put on armor. So let's try to understand that a bit. Look at verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor uh, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And after the battle, you're standing firm. A battle for your marriage, a battle for the country. How many know the country's in a deep, deep division now? And it's not just a DNR division. How many know it's increasingly righteousness and unrighteousness? God, anti-God. Christ, anti-Christ. You know, man, God. It, it, it's this spiritual wall that's separating us in America today. Well, how many know the crazy folks are doing what they do is because they don't have Jesus in their life? How many know sinners do what sinners do? Any people used to be wild and crazy before you met Jesus? Wave your hand here. I got mine up real first because I was. I was just a wild heathen, beer in the car and everything. Was just, I mean, I was living a party life. How many are still living a wild Christian life? Let me see your hand. Ah, I thought I'd catch you there. Put on means to get your weapons and put them on for combat. Think of the football pads. Now, look, everybody knows what a football player has on his mind to run out on Friday night in front of the cheerleaders. You understand that. But he doesn't put on all that stuff for the cheerleaders. He puts on, he puts on uh, pads on his legs, on his hips, on his shoulders, on his head, a mouthpiece for his teeth, because he didn't want to sum God and knock him crazy. <laughs> he, wants, he wants to have something to resist when that guy that weighs 50 pounds more than he does comes barreling down at him. He wants something to absorb the shock. Well, there are spiritual shock absorbers here. Um, uh, another way to translate that is put on everything God gives you to fight against evil. Wow. Now, I may not understand some of what I'm going to say, uh, what I'm going to tell you today. It may be a little abstract about what do I put on a helmet of salvation? What is salvation doing to help me? A, bre a breastplate of righteousness? How does righteousness help me in my war against Satan. I want to try to help you understand a little of these. Let's begin with the first one, uh, the belt of truth. And the question is, how does the belt of truth help us fight Satan's strategies? Now, I got a picture behind me here of a Roman soldier. Today, we would have a, a, someone in the secret forces. They'd be dressed very differently, but it is a picture course of, you know, they all knew the Roman soldiers. They were the military force uh, in, the, uh, in the, uh, uh, the whole Roman Empire. And he's basically saying, look, guys, in the spiritual world, we can dress like that. The belt of truth. Now, um, okay, before a Roman soldier put on his armor, he put a belt on his waist. For example, most, most guys know that, uh, you know, I mean, you, know, you put your belt on, it keeps your pants up. Uh, you put your belt on, it keeps your shirt in place where it needs to be. Uh, it, it gives you a place if you carry a knife to put your knife. If you're an open carry guy, it gives you a place to put your pistol. I mean, it's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> I'm glad there's a lot of concealed carry people in church. I, I, you know, we, isn't it sad that we have to pay a policeman to feel safe to come to church? I mean, I don't want to get off track here, but listen, there's church shootings everywhere. 
And Christians are not initiating it. Sadly, they have to defend themselves. Anyway, I don't want to get off on that, but the, the belt of truth. Now, what does this mean to us? The truth of God's word informs us about life. It helps shape our perspective on everything the culture is talking about. Now, uh, John 17, Jesus said this, your word is truth. The Bible is truth. Now, how many in church today would say, I believe the Bible is true? It's not partly true. It's not, doesn't have contained some truth in it, but it is the absolute truth, the inerrant word of God. It is the source of life. It is God's word to people containing commandments and containing boundaries. That's easy to say amen in church, but how about if you get in a conversation on Facebook about marriage? The biblical view is different from the cultural view. How about you get in a conversation on Facebook about abortion? Very different, a biblical view from the view of the world. How about the whole transgender thing? That's, that's just become the, the rage now. Can you may believe that we live in a nation where our government is saying, we're going to support you if you're 11 years old and you're a little girl, but you believe you're a boy, we'll give you hormones that doctors can say that will, could one day cause you to have a stroke or, or a heart attack. Uh, we'll remove your uterus, even if you have regrets when you're 19 and can't have children anymore, but just to push this agenda. Now, this is highly, highly controversial in America today. Uh, let me show you a little picture here. Let's talk about the transgender. First of all, let me ask you a question. Is it right or is it wrong for a person to have the choice to choose their gender? Now, and let's go to the starting place. Again, I asked you if the Bible is truth or not. Genesis 1:27. God created man, humanity, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now, listen. Say this with me. Male and female, he created them male and female so if people are gender confused shouldn't we help them find God's gender that God intended at birth and isn't that 99 point some percent of the time confirmed by the by the uh, uh, whether they were created as a man or woman biology determines gender I don't get to determine gender if I believe the Bible I lead someone towards the Bible that a loving God created them as a, as a physical male or as a physical female, and that's where they're going to find God's purpose and happiness in life. That is not culturally popular, what I just told you. There's a little picture here. Promise Keepers, one of the great men's movement in, in my lifetime. Uh, this man, uh, Ken Harrison, he's the new president. He rented uh, the Dallas Cowboys football stadium uh, for a Promise Keepers rally, hoping to have 70,000 men commit afresh to love Jesus and follow the Bible. Now, most people would applaud that. You would read a James Dobson, his commentary, and he would applaud that. Well, here's what a publication said. They, they looked at the same guy you're looking at, but they said... Anti-LGBTQ evangelical group's leader is planning to rally thousands of men. And as I read through the rest of the article, uh, I, I, I came to the conclusion he must be Lucifer's brother. And that's the closest I can come to a joke, so if you didn't get it. What's the point? We have such variance in our perspectives in culture and society. How do we know which is right? Listen to me, young people. How do we know which is true? I had a college student last night tell me at TC last year, he said his English teacher in a book that they used said there's no such thing as truth. All you have is facts. 
My wife told me last night, when I went to college, they told me just the opposite. Facts change. The earth is not flat. The earth is round. It was factually flat at one time. Now it's factually round. Are you with me today? But as a Christian, I go to God's Word, and God's Word, the Bible, gives me perspective on everything I face in life. It teaches me my responsibilities as a husband, as a, as a child, how I relate to my parents. It's all in the book. Come on. It's called truth, and that's what holds everything together for us. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now, let's keep going. How, how does the breastplate of righteousness help us fight Satan's strategies? Okay? This sense of right, to be righteous means I'm in right standing with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ has atoned for my sins. I, 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 I want to go back to what I just asked you about truth a second because I can tell some of you are, are dragging a little bit because the cultural voice is so strong and you've built a mental construct in your thinking that skirts around the Bible. I want to encourage you to let your starting place be the Bible. And if you don't believe the Bible is the Word of God, read some books on Christian apologetics. Read good study books about the history of the Bible and the inerrancy of the Bible. Why so many believe it and trust it? It'll, it, it'll change your life, not just your perspective. Listen, I love you. Um, this breastplate of righteousness. Uh, how many know none of us, the Bible says, are righteous? No, not one. Uh, Isaiah says we're all infected and impure with sin and when we display our righteous deeds they're nothing but filthy rags Isaiah goes on to say the Lord is the source of all my righteousness which means I can do bad things and be forgiven and still be called righteous I don't step in and out of salvation when I make a mistake I don't step in and out of being righteous. My righteousness is imputed to me by Christ. It is, it is declared over me. It's like I've been painted with this righteous paint. It doesn't mean everything I do is right, but in the eyes of God, the blood of Jesus Christ has made me righteous. Uh, now, here's what Satan wants to do. It's kind of like legitimate authority. Because if we're heading towards the place of prayer or serving the Lord, I've had this as a preacher. How many know if you, let's just say you got something big to do before God and you sin that morning and you feel real guilty about it and you just don't feel like you, you should do it. Or, or maybe you, maybe, I don't know what, you, 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 you felt you did something last night and you felt almost too guilty to come to church. You don't come to church because you're perfect. You don't serve the Lord because you're perfect. You serve because the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah. You see, a doctor has been given this authority. It's called a medical license, and he's been recognized by an authority to act in the capacity of a doctor. And in the same way, you and I, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, have been declared righteous and can act in the capacity of prayer, come on now, and serve in the Lord, even when the accuser of the brethren, even when Satan tries to say you're no good, you're bad, you've messed up, come on. When Satan whispers in your ear and accuses you to back down because you sinned, you look, point to Jesus and say, I stand because of Jesus Christ. Come on. All right. Here's another one. Gospel shoes. How in the world do shoes help us fight Satan's strategies? Uh, the, uh, I like this New Century, uh, New Century version. It says, on your feet, wear the good news of peace to help you stand strong. On your feet. What is the good news? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not talking about peace as freedom from anxiety. We're talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And as we declare Christ to people, we introduce them and help them find peace with God. So 
somehow, how many know shoes imply movement? Roman soldier wore these half boots, and, and, and these boots even had like, 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 like nails in the bottom of them or, or perhaps glass or something that would help them get footing and traction. But they were moving in these gospel shoes, so to speak, and, 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 and what I think this ties into is uh, these shoes help us with our primary purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as, we, as possible in our journey of life. Romans chapter 10 verse 14 says, how can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? And that is why the scripture says, say it with me, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. So listen, this is where uh, we, you know, Satan can try to hold you back from your testimony and make you afraid. Anybody ever been afraid to witness to someone, uh, to, to invite someone to church? Hi, my name, my name, my name is John, and I want to give you an invitation to my church. We have donuts and coffee. Okay, maybe it's not that bad, but isn't there just this intimidating thing to stop us from sharing our faith? But how many know if you're moving in your gospel shoes talking about Jesus, after you've already talked about you, he's lost already. So if you'll just step on the devil when he tries to stop you, come on now. If you'll just step on him, you'll keep going. You'll be a gospel enterprise. That's our shoes. Now, here's another one. Uh, the, uh, how does the shield of faith help us fight against Satan's strategies. Now, the shield was made out of wood, like two and a half feet wide, four foot uh, long, made out of wood. It was covered in leather, and it was soaked in water before they went out to fight. Why? To stop the fiery darts of the devil. So how many would believe the devil's still shooting fiery darts at us? How about you, how about you lose your job, and you're going home, and you're depressed, and you, and you, you well... You, you, you felt so depressed, you just figured, what the heck, I'll just get me an eight-pack, nine-pack, 12-pack, whatever packs they have today. How many are in the pack today? I was trying to trick you. Anyway, you go home, and, 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 and you just, oh, no. Oh, my girl's not going to be able to be a cheerleader. Honey, I don't know how I'm going to tell her. I can't buy, I can't. Not, I know it's three months away, but we're going to be begging on the street. Honey, save all the cardboard so we can make signs to stand out and ask people to give us money. And, and This is all in your head. Could it have a little spiritual nudge to it? How about if something rises up within you and says, don't worry about tomorrow. It's what Jesus said. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to wear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and God will take care of you. That's what you need to tell your husband. Come on, when he's got the mollycollies, you need to tell him that. You need to say the Bible says, God's, uh, uh, the psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. You, you need to tell him, look, you're, we're tithers, honey, and the tither is going to have an open heaven. Listen, God's going to care for us. He's going to bless us. How can I talk like that? Don't you know the facts, preacher? I lost my job. Yeah, shield of faith quenches all those lies that take root in your mind. It is how it works. When Satan whispers in your ear, it's over, 
Hold up your shield and believe. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let me look at what one last one here. How does the helmet of salvation help us fight Satan's strategies? Now, the helmet of the soldier, uh, made out of leather, had some metal on it. It was uncomfortable. Uh, it, was, it was hot, but it was intended to do. If somebody came at you and they were going to slash you with a knife or a spear, it would protect you, just like your shoulder pad would do when somebody came to, to hit you. Uh, uh, this is what they would wear when they faced danger. Now, think about us being saved. What does it mean to be saved? I believed in Jesus. I've repented of my sins. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a believer. I'm saved. Let me give you another aspect of the truth of that salvation. Colossians 1.13, God has, say it with me, freed us from the power of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, you, my friend, no longer live under the control of Satan. You belong to God. You no longer live under the power of Satan. He's called the God of this world. He's blinded the mind of the unbeliever. You have been regenerated. You have been born again. You have been adopted into the family of God. You are redeemed as a child or a daughter of God. You are a son of God. And what Satan wants us to do, listen, when, when Satan sends an attack, it's finances, it's accidents, it's sickness, it's death, whatever they may be, we can face the assurance that in our darkest hour, Jesus said he never leave me he'd never forsake me but he'd always be with me even to the end of the age because listen what, what do people sometimes do when the battle comes and you feel like there's no reinforcements coming they run there's nothing on your back by the way because once satan gets you you know he's going to keep coming after you we run but guess what happens when we realize who said i'll never leave you forsake me they, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Come on now, because God is with me. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care what you face. I don't care what adversity and trial is before you. Satan wants to destroy you, but you can know that I belong to Jesus Christ. I am his child. I may feel alone, but I am not alone. It is the helmet of salvation. And whatever Satan attacks, you can face it with assurance because you belong to Jesus. Let's talk about fighting back now. Offensive weapons. And there's two. The first one is unusual. It is the Word of God. Now, let me ask you a question. How many have ever bled because this book touched you? Has anybody ever had to go to the hospital because you dropped this book on your toe? Now... Your wife might have hit you in the head when you're acting as a knucklehead. Now, that's one thing. You know, she may whack you pretty hard there, but this is not what this is talking about. I'm going to show you that this book has spiritual power. It has power to defeat the devil. It has power to defeat an unseen enemy. Let's, it, it, why, did, why did Jesus call this book, or Paul rather, the sword? A sword can reach out and attack and do some good. Uh, you know, think of, uh, uh, let's say you're a mom and you're at home and, uh, you know, your husband's gone and, and uh, somebody's breaking in your little girl's window and you're in the kitchen. Well, you're not just going to say, it's okay back there. And you're just chill, just crying. No, you're going to start looking around that, that, that kitchen and you're going to find the biggest knife that you've got now. Come on. 
and you're going to become a mad woman. You're going to become a possessed person. Your eyes are going to turn red, and you're going to say, you better get out of that room. I'm coming in this hall, and you're not going to be standing if you're near my baby girl. Are you with me today? And that guy's going to look at you, and he's going to see, I, this ain't worth me messing with this crazy woman. I'm out of this house. He wasn't scared of the crazy woman. He was scared of that knife that he, she was holding. Well, I want to tell you there's a knife that you and I hold called the sword of the Spirit. It's called the Word of God. Listen to what Jesus did. Matthew 4, verse 1. Uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the... He had three literal confrontations with Satan. Some would argue they're all face-to-face. -face. Some would say they're in his mind, but all are possible. Anyway, the devil came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, tell these stones... He's hungry now. He'd been fasting. Tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him... Say it again. No. no. Or get behind me. The scriptures say it is written. People don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Satan backed up and he tried a second time. Jesus said the same thing. It is written. A third time it is written. And verse 11 says the devil went away. I want to tell you, friend, the devil is not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your loud prayer or your loud shout. But he's afraid of the word of God. He backed down. It, it, it's why we, we shove it in his face. We quote the word of God in prayer. Now hear me on this one. Prayer is not just, oh God, I need some help today. Please help me and bless me and smile on me in, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's more than that. Listen to what happened. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat is facing this big army uh, and there's a spiritual attack going on. How many know when an army is trying to kill you and you're God's man and God's people? That's a spiritual attack. Well, the armies of the Moabite, Ammonite, Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. What's it say? Verse 6, he... Verse 6? Say it again. He prayed, but listen to how he prayed. Lord, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You're the ruler of the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. Amen. He knew that God knew he had a problem. God knows our needs before we ask. Where do you think he learned to pray like this? He knew the Old Testament. He knew the words of Moses. He knew the book of Deuteronomy. And he began to declare what he had heard sung, the word of God, what he had seen written on scrolls, and he put the word of God in, against the problem. And you know what happened? And God sent an angel, and it destroyed the enemy. Now, what I want to tell you now is I want to build your faith. Prayer is an offensive weapon that has spiritual power if we will use it. Let me give you two more examples in this. There was an angel that spoke to Daniel in a vision, Daniel chapter 10. And this angel told Daniel, from the first day, everybody say first day. First day, first day you begin to pray for understanding, your request was heard in heaven. Day one, I've come to answer in your prayer 21 days later. What happened? He said, for 21 days, the spirit prince, does that sound like Ephesians? The spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's a ruling demonic authority over a nation, blocked my way. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And now I'm here. I'm going to explain to you what's going to happen. So what are we saying here? Daniel prayed for 21 days and nothing visible happened. And the reason his prayer was not answered was because there is spiritual opposition. 
You may be praying for your marriage. You may be praying for your child on drugs. You may be praying for your company. You may be praying for your health. I'm telling you, not every problem is because there's a bad devil doing it, but I'm telling you, a lot of them there is. And what I want to tell you, friends, prayer has power. But if Daniel would have quit praying on day one, probably nothing would have happened. Let me give you a New Testament one. Mark chapter 9, uh, a man came to Jesus and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. Now listen to the tragedy of this, what's happened to this boy. He's possessed by an evil spirit. Do you believe that's true? Well, why do you believe it's true? Because... The Bible teaches us there are evil spirits. They can harass people and hurt them. This evil spirit won't let him talk. It made him mute. Uh, it went on to say whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. He foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. What does that sound like? Sounds like a seizure to me. Are you saying every seizure is caused by the devil? No, but I'm telling you this one is. This one was... I asked your disciples to cast him out, but they could not do it. Verse 28, afterwards when Jesus got the boy delivered, he was alone with the disciples and they said, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, say this with me, this kind can only be cast out by, prayer. say it again, prayer. by prayer, by prayer. There's something powerful about prayer. If you are, if you are I don't know what, if you are driving a bulldozer, in, in your pasture and you have that bulldozer at half throttle and every little tree you come up to, it just knocks it over. Uh, that's half throttle. But sometimes you get around a big old oak tree and half throttle's not going to do it. You got to drop the gear down. You got to push the gas all the way. You got to put the blade in the ground. And the first time you hit that tree, nothing happens. But I'm telling you, friends, when they begin to dig and you hear that taproot cracking, before you know it, they're going to raise the blade and they're going to push it over because there's power in the bulldozer, but there's more power in prayer. And I'm telling you, prayer is the great offensive weapon in this passage. Let me, let me close with the last verses, verse 18, back to Ephesians. He says, pray in the Spirit at all times. Can you say that with me? Pray all times. All times. Does it make sense if I can pray in the Spirit, I can also pray out of the Spirit? Would that mean that maybe I'm praying out of my emotions? Maybe I'm praying out of my just desires, and they may not be bad. I pray when I go turkey hunting every time that I'm going to kill a turkey. Every time I go duck hunting. Listen, if I'm getting up at 4.30, I'm praying that I'm going to kill some ducks. <laughs> That's not a bad thing, but, but that, that may not be praying in the Spirit. So here, I just want you to see there's a, lot of, there's a lot of times we can pray for things and not be aware that God's doing something totally different. A prayer in the Spirit is like a railroad track. You've got two. How many know there's a dominant track and there's a, a track that follows? Well, God is the dominant track, the Holy Spirit. We just want to follow him as we pray. See, God oftentimes will limit answers to problems because of our prayers. Pray in the Spirit all times, every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers, not just for yourself, but for all believers everywhere. Let's kind of walk back through that. Pray in the Spirit. It means to pray under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It is a term that's used in many places. Jude says, build yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. What this means is we need to learn to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. 
And I'll talk about that when he said stay alert in prayer. But the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. It, it, It could be in a dream. It could be in a vision. It could be through another person. It could be through the Scripture. It could be in a still, small voice. But God wants to speak to us, and we want to pray as the Holy Spirit guides us. Now, uh, a a great verse that has helped me, my wife and I discussed this last night. 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says, What shall I do? I will, say it with me. Pray in the Spirit. And I will pray with words I understand. You see, and if you read that whole 14th passage there, you would see that he's talking about a gift of the Holy Spirit, which is an, is an ability to pray in an unlearned language. Don't freak out on me now. How I many know the Tower of Babel was filled with unknown languages? And the book of Acts was filled with uh, unknown languages on the day of Pentecost. God says, I want to give you a language so you can pray not from your head, but from your spirit. Anybody ever wake, call you in the middle of the night and say, I need you to pray for me? My wife gets this all the time. I turn my phone off and I can't hear. Um, but she's liable to get a text message and say, I'm taking my mom to the hospital. That's all it says. Or she might get a, a text from her dad and say, your mom's not doing good. Pray. She has no clue what to She can say, okay, let's go to the computer and, and, and let's try to find the last doctor's report so we'll know to pray. that. Well, she had migraines and she had this. And that's not what it's saying. It's saying, begin to pray in this unknown language. Begin to allow the Holy Spirit to influence you as you pray with your English native language and in your intellect. So you're praying with the Spirit. Come on now. Not against the Spirit. And prayers, come on now. It's the right prayers that get answered. Pray in the Spirit. Uh, We could talk more about that later if you like. But here's another one. Stay alert in prayer. What are you staying alert for? Well, preacher, you're staying alert for when your TV show comes on. Your timer, your, your alarm's going to go off. That's what he's talking about. No. He's saying, listen to the Holy Spirit. Learn to listen to the voice of God. Now, the world would say you're crazy. You're hearing voices. You need to be on drugs. Get him medicated. I have seen some weird people that thought God was talking to them. Anybody else? Both hands, both feet. But I've seen some very spiritual people that I knew how to close walk with God, and they heard God. You be alert in your prayers, and the Holy Spirit will alert you. Uh, Didn't Jesus say in John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, Holy Spirit, he's going to what? Guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you about the future. Well, how's he going to guide you? Through the Bible? Yes. Is he going to tell you about the future through the Bible? Yes. But he'll also just speak to you spirit to spirit. Come on now. Preaching better than your amening now. Be persistent, lastly, in your prayers. In other words, always keep on praying. Don't quit until the battle is over. Paul said in Thessalonians, never stop praying. Daniel had to pray three weeks. If Daniel would have said after day one, now now let me just be honest with you. Here's the kind of prayer I like. I like microwave prayer. I've come to know that when I put that, that uh, little uh, healthy bag of popcorn and some other uh, chemicals in there, I've come to know that if I hit the popcorn button, i got to be standing there because in just a little over three minutes, it's going to start smelling good and it's going to start coming out. I don't have to wait for the bell to ding because then it'll get too black. My microwave's too strong. So I'm standing there waiting for popcorn. I, and I can do it all in, 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 a, in an intermission, all in a little uh, 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 commercial on TV, and I'm back. That's the way I want prayer to be answered. Come on, how about you? 
God, I got a toothache. Take it away. Give me a new tooth in Jesus' name. Gone. If every prayer was answered like that, we would never have any problems. Come on now, ever. And we would never die. There'd never be any problems. Life is not like that. Sin is still in the world. Listen, sometimes, friends, we have to stay in the place of prayer. You can't just cook the microwave popcorn. you got to get the old-fashioned pot out, and you got to put some oil in there. And the problem is you don't have oil, so you got to go to the store, and that one's closed, so you got to go to another store, and they don't have any because of COVID, so you got to go to another store. And finally, you come home, and you put the right amount of oil in there, and you put one or two seeds in there to see when it's just ready, and then you realize you don't have enough popcorn. So then you got to go back to the store in the same order because you didn't check and finally three hours later you have this you have this buttery flavor <laughs> spilling out into the air I wish all my prayers were answered in three hours we are battling for the soul of America today and one day of prayer one hour of prayer one moment of prayer is not enough to change the demonic things that are happening in this nation Somehow, friends, every day you and I need to find ourselves on our knees praying in the name of Jesus against the powers of darkness, praying against evil that's in this world today. If you've got a kid that's not straightened up and they've been there, they've gone from drugs to juvenile to now jail, you still stand in and pray for them because you're the only thing standing between them and a sinner's hell. You stand in the gap and you pray until the answer comes. You say, well, Pastor, what if I have to pray my whole life? Some people had to pray their whole life. Some people died in faith, not had Having received the promise our job friends is to be men and women in the place of prayer to be men and women who are yielding our sword in the place of prayer wearing our armor until come on now until the answer comes until we see Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father as he comes back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords we are in a battle and the good news friends in the book of Romans it says the God of peace say it with me will soon crush Satan under our feet but until that day we are gonna stand clothed with the armor of God praying the Word of God and using prayer as a weapon to push him back from our lives and the backs of other people that we love and care about come on give the Lord a good hand today I'm going to do one last thing before we close. Uh, I want to give you a little short video clip. It's just about 45 seconds, but it's a true video clip of World War II, the Allied bombers that were bombing Nazi Germany. Now, I, I want to use this as kind of a metaphor or a picture, but I want you to see that the bombs are our prayers. Uh, I want you to see that the bombs have power to destroy the stronghold of the enemy that could never be cared for by ground troops and ground soldiers. The bombs had the power to destroy. So take a peek at this, World War II, Nazi Germany. And as we begin, I want you to see you and other Christians are walking to your plane because our prayers are made more powerful when more of us are praying. And we are going towards a target. Intelligence has told us where the target is. We know the target is well fortified, and if we don't destroy it, it will destroy us. And when we know what we're praying, we begin, begin to release the prayer bombs. We begin to pray that corruption would be exposed in America. We begin to pray that drug dealers would be delivered, that the flow of drugs would stop. We begin to pray that the violence on our streets would stop in America today. We pray all the corrupt politicians would be exposed. We're praying against the spirits that are behind abortion. We're praying against immorality that's in our nation. We're praying against the powers of darkness that try to steal, rob, and destroy. We're praying for innocent children. You got the picture? Prayer has power.
Won't you just stand to your feet and say, Holy Spirit, would you just put this deep inside me? If you're watching online, we welcome you, but let me ask you to stand wherever you are and let's respond to the Lord and say, Lord, would you put this in me? Because, Lord, i got to be honest. I, I usually just pray for my own things I want and my own problems and needs. I'm, that's not being a soldier. A soldier is fighting for others. God, I want you to help me, not just because things have gotten so bad and I'm so desperate. I want to pray that I would enter the battle before they become desperate. God, I want to pray that you would anoint me in the place of prayer. Come on, you, you pray this. I, it's not helping if I pray it. Say, Lord, help me to get out of bed and pray. Help me to come to the church and pray. We pray on Friday mornings at 7 o'clock right in these altars. Lord, help me roll out of bed and come to pray. Help me, help me go to the prayer room on Sundays between services. Help me, Lord, to be able to go to the early prayer that's over in the powerhouse before weekend services. Help me to get together with the kids' pastors and with the children's pastors and leaders and with the youth leaders. Help me to be able to engage with my friends on a Zoom call in prayer. Help me to be able to take my family around the table and engage in prayer. God, I pray that you would help us. Help us not back down from the battle. Help us be clothed with the belt of truth in a culture that's lost truth. We declare and believe today that our righteousness is because of God in Christ, and we are soldiers even when we make mistakes. We have on uh, our feet the gospel of peace. We are moving in gospel shoes, bringing the gospel to the world, as many people as possible. We are saved by the power of Jesus Christ. We have belonged to Christ. We are not fighting alone, and we have a shield of faith that can stop everything Satan throws at us. Our shield simply says, I believe God. I know what's happening. I know what the facts are, but I choose to believe God. And Lord, we have the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God that we can pray and we can prophesy and we can declare. And then we release the prayer weapon. Father, I pray those prayer bombs hit their target. And we pray, Lord, in the Spirit. We pray with alertness and we pray with persistence until the battle's over pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a good hand today. Amen. I love you. Thanks for coming today. We'll continue this next week. But before you turn out, we're going to have one last song. And I want our prayer team to come up front because they're going to pray for you. If there's anything in your life that needs prayer, uh, we want to pray for you. Riley Birmingham, bring that little baby up here. They've been Googling all service here at this baby, just like I would if I had a baby. My daughter Bethany is going to be born soon. Turn around where everybody can see. Get the cameras on this little baby. Isn't that baby pretty? That's a beautiful baby. We are so happy for you. We are so happy for you. Prayer team's going to come to the front. And if you need prayer for anything, seriously, if you've been under spiritual attack, you know it. I would encourage you, don't go out of this building don't leave this building if you're under spiritual attack you let somebody pray for you you let somebody believe god with you today and they'll be here for that pastor travis last word i love you thank you for coming amen how many people are glad you came today amen we're gonna have to get pastor john some water he was on fire today man listen we're so glad that you came uh like pastor john said our prayer team is up here we want to pray about any need that you have Listen, before you leave, before you come up for prayer, maybe you're in here and, listen, you're not right with God. I want you to know two things today. Number one, God loves you so much. 
He cares for you. In fact, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins. And I'm telling you, all you have to do to be saved is two things. To repent of your sins. Repent means to turn from your sins, to turn away, to start walking towards Jesus. And the second thing is to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He lived a sinless, spotless life. And He did what the Bible says He did. He died on that cross on Calvary so that you could be right standing with God. So the righteousness would be impugned into you, just like Pastor John preached about. And listen, here in just a second, I'm going to be at that cross. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you. Listen, maybe you've been away from God. You love God, but if, to be honest, Jesus, Jesus hasn't been the Lord of your life for some time. Maybe you've walked away. Maybe just the cares of the world have came in. Listen, we want to pray. We want to recommit ourselves to God. And we want to run after Him all the days of our life. Amen? Listen, Jesus died on the cross for you for two primary reasons. Number one, so that you could have eternal security. You could be in heaven. But number two, so you could live an overcoming life here on this earth. I would love to pray with you. Listen, our prayer team is up here. We want to pray with you about any need. If you want to get right with Christ, meet me at the cross. And we'll do that. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Let's worship another moment. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. For your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence. Oh. Amen. Well, our prayer team is going to remain down front. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'd love to pray for you. We're going to stay here and worship a bit longer if you'd like to hang out with us. Uh, for everyone else, uh, you can be dismissed at any time. And we just pray that you'd have a blessed day today.